This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. The legal information presented on In Legal Terms is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information conveyed does not create any type of attorney-client relationship. Please consult an attorney provider before making any decisions about your specific legal questions. Welcome to In Legal Terms from MPB Think Radio, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Liz Gill with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. How are you today, Professor Gershon? Liz, I'm doing great, and uh, today is not just a new year in the legislature, but it's my daughter's 21st birthday, uh, and so I want to wish her a happy birthday, and so it's a new year for her, but also um, she's going to be a teacher in the public school system in Mississippi after she graduates from Ole Miss. And so I was happy that one of the legal changes we had this year was a raise for teachers of $1,500. It's, it's a start. Uh, I think we need to do more for our teachers, but I'm, I'm happy that at least the legislature did that much. Uh, it's a new year in our family also. Um, my kid just finished summer school at Ole Miss, and that uh, completed the degree requirements for graduation <laughs> that, that we already went through in May. But uh, we'll be looking forward to having that diploma in the mail and to having a uh, protective and money-earning person uh, uh, in in the state of Mississippi. Well, congratulations. Before we get to our topic for today, which is talking about how our, our laws are made and what the new ones are taking effect, uh, we've got a holdover email from Money Talks, the show that was just before this one on MPB Think Radio. And we were talking about retirement. And since this is a tax law, maybe this is something you could help our uh, listener with, Professor Gershon. I just retired at age 54. Man, that's nice. Moved from Mississippi, moved to Mississippi from Tennessee. Until I can collect my retirement and Social Security, I'm pretty much living off savings account. Do I have to file 2019 taxes do I have to file state taxes? Well, as those are great questions that I can't answer without more specific information, obviously. But I will say that if the total income, because you do have interest on savings accounts and, you, you know, and any uh, capital gains that may occur on stocks that the, uh, the listener has, uh, those would have to be uh, subject, subject to income tax, both state and federal. But uh, if this person doesn't have more than $12,000, in income for the year, they probably don't have to file. So it really depends on the amount. I mean, we're all, all of our income is subject to tax, whether it's earned income or interest income or dividend income. But if it's not enough, then the person doesn't have to pay taxes. If they're under 65, uh, $12,000 was the amount. Um, if it's, uh, if the person's over 65, then there are additional, uh, amounts that, uh, can be excluded. All right. So they should probably seek a professional tax instruction that's specific to them. But we're glad that they emailed. And if you would like to email us with your questions or comments for In Legal Terms, our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. This morning, we're going to talk about some of the new laws, some of the new changes that were made in Mississippi that took effect July 1st. Some are silly. Some are 
laws that we've waited a long time for. So there should be a little something for everybody and a little something to make everybody upset about. One of the things that I found very interesting and, uh, you know, has been in the news is this idea of new food labeling laws. And I guess this was a good idea or a bad idea for a lot of states because Alabama, Kentucky, Louisiana, Missouri, Arkansas, Montana, North Dakota, Oklahoma, South Carolina, and Wyoming, and I believe Missouri, yeah, I said Missouri, everyone has gotten onto this kick. So tell us a little bit about what this new food labeling law is. Well, I'll start by saying we already have food labeling laws and have for a long time, and so there cannot be deceptive labeling on food. Uh, And, for example, if you look at any product in the grocery store, it tells you what the ingredients are, including plant-based products. But the Cattlemen's Association uh, throughout the country has been lobbying to make sure that uh, plant-based products cannot be labeled as meat or burgers or hot dogs. And uh, and that's really what this is about, um, is to uh, try to, I think, affect those that are selling uh, alternatives to meat and try to make it harder for them to get to market and there's really no confusion involved, and that's why there are lawsuits. Uh, the, the Mississippi law is similar to other laws, which says a food product that contains cultured animal tissue produced from animal cell culture. So, there, you know, there's some concern about lab-created meat, which is, which is certainly on the way. But uh, the organism which is delivered, uh, derived, shall not be labeled as meat or a meat food product, and a plant-based or insect-based product shall not be labeled as meat or meat food product. So, you know, that would mean... Uh, that people who sell veggie burgers could be subject to civil crimes and also criminal charges. And uh, veggie burgers have been in grocery stores since the 1980s when I became a vegetarian. So, uh, you know, I don't think there's really any confusion there. I think it really is just that there's a greater market share now going to plant-based items. I think one of the only things that I, I had a pause about until I became more informed, I believe Burger King is going to start selling impossible burgers, which are veggie burgers or plant-based but the impossible that is something that if you didn't if you weren't educated you wouldn't already know about in arkansas where a lot of my family is from which is the nation's leading rice producer they've also taken exception to cauliflower rice because it's not rice it's made from cauliflower and i guess they're worried people will think cauliflower rice is really rice. So they've also added that as part of the the labeling. So, but these laws have passed all of these legislatures. And so now the lawsuits begin. Tell us where, where that's happening. It's interesting, Liz. I mean, it's coming from obviously vegan food producers who will now have a higher cost if they have to change their labeling or, you know, move away from uh, saying that they're burger alternatives or bacon alternatives. So there will be some cost to them. But also it's coming from conservative groups, too. There's a group called the Institute of Justice, which is a, uh, an economic uh, freedom uh, type of organization that filed this suit, and it's filed suit in other states. They were successful in Florida in uh, defeating labeling laws there because they're saying that these are unnecessary laws and they, they affect uh, free market. I mean, this is really a free market issue and, and really an attempt to try to limit a, sh- a share of a new emerging, not even emerging, but a new business uh, because they're being competitive. 
I have to say, when I started buying veggie burgers back in the 1980s, nobody cared. You know, there was no no concern about uh, labeling or anything like that. It's only because these uh, new plant-based items are starting to have uh, an impact economically on other industries that now they're being being uh, that now there's a concern about consumer protection. And as a number of reports have pointed out, it does seem a bit ridiculous that you can't, you know, hamburgers don't have ham and hot dogs don't have dogs. But uh, the Mississippi, I guess the Mississippi law or some of the other laws talk about if it has traditionally been used to define meat products. Well, it's interesting because my my wife is a a copy editor. She works for Gardening Gun Magazine. And uh, they, I mean, so she knows language and she went to the dictionary and burger includes if you look in the dictionary under burger includes salmon burgers includes veggie burgers includes lots of different kind of burgers so burger is the shape of the item and to say that it's confusing to say that a burger can be made from something other than meat is i think goes to the absurd all right well folks if you have something to say about veggie burgers and whether they should or should not uh, be allowed to be called that we'd love for you to call in and contribute we're going to take our first break we're discussing the new laws that took effect on july 1st after the break we would love for your comments and questions you can call us 1-877-MPB-RING that's 1-877- 672-7464. You can also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And all these laws are made by our senators and representatives in Mississippi. And when can you vote for them? We'll remind you after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Welcome back to In Legal Terms. Not everyone has the chance to listen to our whole show live. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show in legal It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law, and we want to remind you of your civic duty that there will be a runoff for some elected positions on August 27th. That's two weeks from today. November 5th is the next general election in Mississippi so that you can vote for these individuals who make our laws. All our senators and representatives, along with statewide offices, will be selected on November 5th. Now, if you did vote in the primary that was a couple weeks ago, you can only vote in the same primary on the t- August 27th. So if you voted in the Democratic primary, you've got to vote in the Democratic runoff. If you voted in the Republican primary, you have to vote in the Republican runoff. And if you didn't vote in the primary to begin with, you can pick which 
a, a runoff primary you'd like to vote in. And if you didn't vote in the primary, you can still vote in the general election on November 5th. This morning, we're talking about our new laws in Mississippi that took effect on July, on July 1st. We're going to turn our tre- attention now to some important criminal justice reforms that took place. And Professor Gershon, some of these, we won't have uh, the 10th of amount of time to talk about. So we'll need to bring in some experts and devote some whole shows to these. Exactly. Let's and talk about uh, uh, some of this H- House Bill 1352. Okay, well, and Liz, by the way, I want to say that um, while I was critical of the legislature in the last segment, I'm, I'm really grateful for the, some of these changes because they're very important. And there were people at our law school that uh, had an impact on, on some of these changes and, and lobbied and uh, very, very much to try to make some of these reforms. So we can get some of them on, on the air. Uh, but uh, the 1352 uh, ends driver's license suspensions for drug offenses that are unrelated to driving. And that's important because it, it was, all, you know, for a while, a long time, uh, Mississippians could lose their driver's license for low-level drug offenses, uh, even if they were unrelated to driving. And so what ended up happening was it was hard for someone to get a job because they couldn't, you know, in a rural state like ours, they couldn't, they couldn't uh, get a driver's license. Um, and so, you know, that impacted their lives going forward. So it's a great criminal justice reform that now that's not automatic as long as it's not related to driving. And everyone in Mississippi does understand that you need a driver's license to get from here to there. That's right. And, you know, and if you, if you take someone's ability to have a job away from them because they had a crime in the past that had nothing to do with driving, then, you know, then it makes it much harder for them to get back on track. This new House Bill 1352 also has these intervention courts, which is intriguing to listen to and to, to, to have the idea of. Tell us about some of these intervention courts. Well, it's a great new thing, Liz. I mean, we've had drug courts for a long time in Mississippi for over 20 years now, but, uh, and they work as an alter- alternative to imprisonment for people with addiction issues who are facing criminal charges. But now uh, the intervention courts actually help people, uh, for example, uh, help get veterans to specialized care. Uh, they can help people with mental health issues. So it's beyond just, just the idea of drugs and addiction, but it really is an idea that we can try to help people with intervention before we get them in the criminal justice system. Mississippi has one of the highest incarceration rates in the country, and, and this really will help. So this law will reclassify drug courts as intervention courts, again, to allow for mental health, veterans, and other type of interventions at, at the local level. And so that's a, that's a really good step. I especially appreciate the cases involving veterans. A lot of these individuals have served our country They've done a lot of jobs that the rest of us don't want to have to do, but they've volunteered to do it. They've served it, our country, but it's been stressful and has taken a toll on their lives. And to give them the special uh, tools, to give them the special assistance that they may need uh, is commendable. Absolutely. Um, And so, you know, we're starting to look at – mental health and, and drug addiction in a different way than just criminalizing those things. And, and that's really important. We had a, a student here who uh, graduated who's very active in, in, uh, in dealing with that issue, uh, Josh Horton, who graduated. And he's, he's down uh, 
and Florida practicing law now, but he uh, very did a lot of work in this area. All right. Well, today we're talking about some of the new laws. In our first segment, we talked about food labeling, and that's gotten a couple of our callers to, interested to comment about. So we'd like to invite onto the show Ethel from Starkville. Ethel, thank you so much for participating with In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Well, thank you. Thank you for your wonderful shows and your comments. Uh, I did want to make a comment about the veggie uh the veggie burger laws, and I, I have several feelings about it. One is I'm very disappointed uh, in the legislature because I feel like they're subject to lobbyists, and I think I, I really wish that the lobbyists would not be allowed to give them special things, and I think that's exactly why this veggie burger law happened is because the meat lobby uh, interacted with the legislature so strongly. And there's still going to be people who don't eat meat, like myself, and who want the veggie burgers and have been using the veggie burgers for years. And, you know, uh, and in fact, the use of veggie burgers and non-meat products is, is increasing, that the the need for that is increasing because more and more people are not eating meat. And having laws to say that you can't do that is ridiculous. <laughs> so those are my comments. Ethel, we appreciate you calling in. Uh, I will have to say when I was on my vacation, I had a black bean burger with mango oh, salsa that was so just really, delightful. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really wish the lobbyists, I wish there would be some laws that the that the senators would not be so influenced by these lobbyists. And I think that's exactly where it came from. All right, and Ethel. It restricts, and it restricts our rights, the vegetarians' rights. So anyway, thank you so much. Thank you, Ethel. Thank you, Ethel. Now, Professor Gershon, just to give not necessarily a counter-argument, but our senators and representatives can't do a lot of bill research on their own and often they do rely on constituents or concerned parties to present credible and well-researched information to assist them in making laws is that fair to say that's absolutely fair to say and so you know there is a there is a give and take here and i think my concern about laws like this really forget the fact that i'm vegetarian it really doesn't matter so much i mean because my wife and daughters eat meat. And, you know, I think more and more people are, are, are moving to adding more plant foods to their diets because it's, it's been proven to be healthy. But that, irrespective of that, this is a law that limits free market. And it's regulation where regulation is not necessary. And that is not the role of the legislature. So it's really more to me, the legislature, I think in this case, uh, created a law that was unnecessary for a specific purpose that uh, really does not advance uh, the free market. All right, let's now go to our next call. We have another uh, food labeling comment. Thanks for calling in, Roger. We appreciate you being part of In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Well, it's a favorite program, as you know. I'm a favorite and I'm a, I'm a loyal listener, so thanks again for what you do uh, all week long, especially this program. I, I want to applaud Ethel. I don't know Ethel. But I thought she hit it spot on, uh, in addition to the previous comments, 
one one twist that I want to add is, if it's necessary to keep from fooling the public by removing, by, by, by not allowing the term veggie burger because people think it might be meat and might get confused, doesn't that illustrate that we don't have any confidence at all in our educational system? A veg, what is it about veggie burger that a, that a consumer might not understand? There's no confusion there. So the element to justify the law that there might be confusion in the marketplace, I think, is, is really ridiculous. Thank you. I had another comment, but I think that this is enough for today. Thanks again for what you did. Bye. Thank you, Judge. Appreciate your call. All right. We're going to have one more call that we'd like to take. Um, we're going to go to Philip in Natchez. Philip, thank you so much for being part of In Legal Terms. Go ahead. Well, good morning. And, Professor, let me join in with you in wishing your daughter a happy birthday. My daughter is 29 today. And so um, I can remember where I was 29 years ago, and I'm sure you can remember where you were 21 years ago. But my question concerns what the legislature has done, I guess, in order to help people pass the Mississippi bar. And I'm very concerned about what they did. Apparently, they have now determined that if you can't pass the bar three times, you have to take another semester in law school. But I don't understand how that's going to help anybody. It's going to put... Um, more money in somebody's pocket, but they don't even suggest what courses to take. I'd like you to comment on that. Well, Phil, thank you, and happy birthday to your daughter. I appreciate you calling in. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good point, and I think the law schools are concerned because uh, we don't want to charge somebody more money to come back to law school to, to take a class uh, and to get further in debt, possibly. Uh, it's not something that's being done in other states, and uh, and I think we need to look at solutions. Actually, I, I think this is for a whole other show. We ought to reform the entire way we do the bar exam because giving a closed book exam that somebody has to, to write from memory has nothing to do with practicing law because if you practice law in a closed book setting and don't look up things and make sure you understand what the law is, then you're committing malpractice. So I don't think the bar exam really has a lot to do with the practice of law, to be perfectly honest. Ooh, that uh, that would be a, a good show. Maybe we could make that as a podcast, and then the world, the world would take note. Thank you, Philip. We appreciate you calling in. If you would like to call in and comment on our show today, our number is one eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four. Our email address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're talking about some of the new laws that have been enacted in Mississippi that took effect on July 1st. And one and another one is the Fresh Start Act of 2019, talking about uh, criminal convictions. Uh, remind us a little bit about this one, Professor Gershon. Glad the legislature... Uh enacted this this Fresh Start Act. It's really, I think, a, a great step. Because it used to be that if you had a criminal conviction in, in your past, um, then some licensing, uh, state licensing, would not ever give you a license because you would not be of good character or good moral character because of that criminal conviction. And so people would be denied occupational licenses. And their occupational licenses, you know, across uh, 40 different professions, 
including engineering, healthcare, construction, education. So a lot of these these particular uh, occupations were foreclosed to people who had criminal convictions that had nothing to do with their actual uh, licensing itself. So I think this is a good step. Again, saying if someone has paid their debts to society uh, and they're not a danger in this particular profession, there's no reason to keep them from then moving forward with their lives. Our next bill, I can't applaud enough. It seems to me uh, on the surface, and I hope it, I hope that is correct, it, this one seems like a fantastic law. House Bill 751 prevents charges from being filed against human trafficking victims who are younger than 18. Remind us a little bit about this one, Professor Gershon. Yes, and we actually had a show on human trafficking, and we talked a little bit about some of the problems of this. It's a, it's a great new law because uh, uh, someone can be arrested for prostitution, and if you're involved in human trafficking, a lot of times you are being prostituted out. And so these minors were being arrested for prosecution charges, prostitution charges when they were, in fact, victims. And I think this law looks at them and realizes they are victims and gets them help and doesn't criminalize them. So a lot of the criminal justice reform in the state this year is really designed to say, hey, let's, let's look at um, people's interactions differently and don't criminalize so many things, but actually try to help people with mental health issues or people who are victims in situations and not put them in a criminal justice system. Yet another entire show on who is a victim, who is a perpetrator, and which one of them is the criminals. We need to take our next break. Uh, Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law and I are talking about the New Year's laws, the new laws in Mississippi that took effect on July 1st. We would love for you to hear your comments, your questions about these laws. You can call us one 877 MPB ring. That's 1-877-672-7464. Our email is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We mentioned earlier about the runoff elections and the general election. What's the last day to register to vote for November 5th in the general election? We'll tell you after the break. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Professor Richard Gershon is our expert, and we hope you'll subscribe to our podcast. There are many different podcasting platforms. You put one on your phone or your tablet, you can touch a plus button that helps you to look up. The name of the podcast, just type in in legal terms in the search area. It'll bring up our show. You touch on the photo, then subscribe. You can be notified when any new episodes are loaded up. If you're listening to this on a podcast, we would love to hear what you're doing while you listen to your podcast. Are you on the road? Are you in the gym? Send us an email after you're not on the road to our address, legalterms.com at mpbonline.org. This morning, we're talking about the new laws that took effect in Mississippi on July 1st. 
that our legislature passed. And of course, our legislature is made up of elected senators and representatives. And we want to make sure everyone knows that citizens, citizens need to register by October 7th to vote in the November 5th general election. We've got governor, lieutenant governor and such. Teens don't need to be 18 by October 7th to register, just need to be 18 by November 5th. And if you didn't vote in the primary, you can still vote in the general election. We're going to move on now to some of the new laws we're going through. We'd love to hear your comments or your questions about them. We had a big discussion about veggie burgers. We've also talked about some of the new criminal justice reforms. And now there's a new law, guns in courthouses. Tell us about this one, Professor Garshin. Yes, that's House Bill 1581, and it really clarifies existing laws. Um, there are guns may be banned in courtrooms and jury rooms and witness rooms and judges' chambers, but they generally can't be banned in hallways, courthouse grounds, or other areas in and around the courthouse that are generally open to the public. So if somebody's got a concealed carry permit, for example, they can be prohibited from bringing that, their gun into the jury room or the witness room or the courtroom itself. And I think the concern was that it was guns could be banned by in courthouses. Well, courthouses do a lot of di- a lot of business. Uh, I went and did my uh, license tag renewal, for example, at the county courthouse recently, and so that's technically a courthouse. But what they're really saying is guns are banned now in places where their actual uh, trial taking place. All right, uh, another one is uh, having to do with church protection. And I know uh, at the House of Worship that I go to, they've had a group. They've invited individuals who want to be part of the security um, group. I don't know. I don't remember what they called it, but they've had a special training for that. Uh, Tell us about this House Bill 390 about church protection. Well, it's an interesting one, Liz. I mean, it's uh, I know in the places I worship, we've had uh, off-duty police officers quite regularly uh, uh, there, and, uh, you know, they're there for protection, and I'm not, I'm sure that there are other uh, groups that do the same thing. But what House Bill 390 does, is says retired law enforcement officers may work in security for churches or other houses of worship and may be immune from civil lawsuits in that role. So, for example, if uh, the police officer or retired police officer shoots someone uh, trying to defend church members and actually hit someone who's innocent, they would be uh, immune from civil lawsuit in that role. Um, and so it, it always concerns me as a lawyer when we when we give blanket immunity for, for actions because we really want to look at you know, what behavior uh, took place there. Was the person reckless or you know, were they, were they uh, endangering others unnecessarily? Uh, but the idea is to try to protect people in that role uh, from having to worry about lawsuits. All right. We do have a call that we're going to go to now. Ronnie, who is calling from Jefferson County, we appreciate you listening and wanting to participate on our show. Ronnie, go ahead. Yeah, look, um, my point is, um, the thing about it is you be charged with a case and you're in the lower court. So you go and the judge, that judge down there going to try to find you guilty, which ain't nothing to it. And then you go ahead and you appeal it you know, to, the, to, to the circuit court. 
once you appeal to the circuit court, and then uh, you go through the circuit court, and then the, the lawyer or the lower court going to come in and you're dismissing. My thing is you appeal it, and they don't want to call it. Is you entitled to your appeal money where you borrow money? Well, that's something you would have to talk to a lawyer about, but um, because it would depend on the circumstances. But, yeah, you you do have a right to appeal, okay? So that's when, you know, trial judges uh, are the first level, and then you go to appeal. And I always think about the the law, you know, the rule in football, because I'm a big football fan, that there's the, uh, the uh, video review kind of rule that the appellate courts really shouldn't overturn what the trial court does unless they find, uh, you know, compelling reason to do it, uh, either legally or factually. Uh, but in terms of getting your bond back, that really depends on, on the circumstances of your particular case. And who could he, who could Ronnie contact to find out about the particular circumstances in his case if he was uh, about bond money and appeal money? Well, if it's, not a, if it's a criminal case, I would, I would uh, talk to a criminal defense lawyer um, if it's civil, I would talk to North Mississippi Rural Legal Services or Real, or Legal Services, who we had on last week, because they can help you with uh, civil matters. All right, Ronnie, and if you hang on, we'll give you the phone number for the uh, Mississippi Legal Services phone number. Uh, to we'll give that out a little bit later in the show so that uh, you can you can write that down. And if our other listeners have a question or a comment about the new laws that were enacted in Mississippi on July 1st, we would love for you to call in and give your comments, ask your questions. Our number is 1-877-672-7464. That's one Eight seven seven MPB ring. You could also send us an email. Our address is legalterms at mpbonline.org. We've got a couple more uh, safety issues, I suppose. Uh, school safety. This was House Bill twelve eighty three would require public schools to conduct active shooter drills. Professor Gershon, what do you think about this one? It's sad that we're at this point, isn't it? Uh, and I wonder, you know, I think it's the legislature's trying to do something to try to make sure students are aware of what to do in, in, in these kind of situations. Um, I was, I'm old enough to remember a little bit about the Cuban Missile Crisis, and one of the things they taught us to do was duck and cover, to get under desk, you know. And, and I think sometimes we try to do things just to make us feel like we're doing something. Uh, and I think there are other ways that we could deal with the uh, the active shooter problem that maybe we should address. Well, but then here's another one, which is a why didn't we have this to begin with law? Corporal punishment. House Bill 1182 bans, bans corporal punishment for any student who has a disability or a special education plan. What's your comment on this one? I agree with you. I had the same reaction was, wow, that was not already a law. That's kind of surprising. Uh, you know, it's interesting that a lot of counties have decided not to uh, have corporal punishment for any student. And in fact, Lafayette County just uh, enacted that. So I think I think school districts are moving away from the idea that corporal punishment is a, is a useful tool, but especially for children who have disabilities or special education plans. 
All right. We're almost to the end of our show. So if you want to comment bef- uh, during our last se- segment of the show after the break, we'd love for you to call one eight seven seven mpb ring That's one eight seven seven six seven two. 7464. You could also send us an email, legalterms at mpbonline.org. And if you've got your pencil and paper ready, I told Ronnie I'd give out the phone number for the Mississippi Legal Services, who helps with civil uh, problems. That number is 1 800 498 1804. One more time, that's 1 800 4981804 our statewide offices and legislative positions aren't the only elections coming up we'll tell you more when we come back this is in legal terms on MPB Think Radio You're listening to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. Thank you for being a part of In Legal Terms. If you've missed any of our program, you can listen to the whole show at inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. It's also available on the MPB Public Media app, as are all our local shows, and as a podcast. I'm Liz Gill here with Professor Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law. In addition to the many statewide positions that will be elected in November, don't forget about the county positions that need to be filled. And because Mississippi is just the way it is, So many of our state positions that a number of people wanted to vote for were in the Republican primary, and so many of the county positions people wanted to vote for were in the Democratic primary. And you had to pick one or the other during the primaries, but during the general election, you can vote for both. Isn't that right, Professor? That is correct. And uh, my daughter, my 18-year-old, is getting ready to go to college this weekend, which is, so I'm having a really weird week, Uh, one's... 21 and one's going to go into college, but uh, uh, voted in her first election uh, this year, and she's going to have an absentee ballot. We're going to go get that for her. That's right. Don't forget the absentee ballot. Today, we're talking about the new laws that have taken effect in Mississippi on July 1st. I'm going to sneak in one that took effect in April. The governor signed a film incentive expansion, which gives tax credits to some movie makers. And here at MPB, you might see some familiar faces in an upcoming movie. Professor Gershon, I don't think we told you, they filmed Breaking News in Yuba County. I know some of it was filmed in Natchez. That's where they were throwing $100 bills out. And some of the residents of Natchez thought they were real and they turned out to be counterfeit or fake, then that was kind of a surprise to some business owners that had to keep up with that. But they filmed a lot of it, uh, a number of scenes here at MPB. And the former host of this show, Sherita Brent, plays a news anchor in the movie. She has a couple of scenes. And that uh, movie stars Allison Janney and Mila Kuntz and quite a number of uh, famous female stars. That's called Breaking News in Yuba County. So I don't know if they were able to take advantage of some of these 
governor signed uh, film credits while they were filming in Mississippi. But some of the other laws, let's talk about uh, terrorist threats. Let's, uh, it's, it's not a joking matter. So what does a House Senate Bill 2141 talk about? Well, there's a criminalizes threats. Uh, when a person makes a threat to commit a crime of violence or a threat to cause bodily harm to another person, if the threat does, in fact, cause a reasonable expectation or reasonable fear in a group of citizens, or, uh, and, and maybe they respond to that person's demand because of that threat, or influence or affect or intimidate coercion of a, a governmental unit or an educational institution. So if someone, for example, says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, uh, I have a bomb that I'm going to blow up the school, that would be a terrorist threat. Uh, and uh, they could be punished up to 10 years in prison, uh, even if they never commit the act uh, as a felony. So mamas and daddies, please tell your kids it's not a joke if they call into the school with a bomb threat. That's right. Or post it on Facebook or, or Twitter. You know, people use social media and they make comments that uh, sound threatening and maybe they're kidding. It's not a joking matter. All right. The next one is a kind of peculiar one. Maybe you know a story about it. This vehicle sales tax, uh, Senate Bill 2229 says no sales tax is charged when a vehicle is sold from one sibling to another. Is that just a clarification of a already existing bill? Well, actually, it's uh, really anytime you sell a vehicle, you're supposed to pay sales tax. But I think in practice, nobody ever really was when they were selling to family members. So I think this is just uh, not even so much a clarification as it is the law reflecting what actually happens. And so it, it, we're not criminalizing people or, or putting them in, in trouble because if, you know, if an older sibling sells their car to a younger sibling, then the sales tax is officially uh, not collectible. All right. Here's another one. House Bill 761. And you have to worry about the double negative on this. It bans the state of Mississippi from investing in companies that boycott Israel. Now, uh, help us work this one out. Well, you know, there are companies that uh, do boycott the state of Israel uh, for various reasons, and that's a whole different uh, political discussion. Um, And I guess the House decided that uh, we are supportive of Israel as a state. Uh, You know, Israel is a friend of the United States, and so um, that is really, I think, where that comes from is the idea that we're not going to invest in companies that, that do that. I wish they would look at... Uh, not investing in companies that engage in human trafficking or, or make money from human trafficking or, or uh, exploitation of workers. There are a lot of other things that I, I wish the legislature would look at in terms of our investment policy, uh, maybe to look more to the environment. But that's me. That's my comments, my opinions. It would be interesting to be able to read the thought bubbles in some of these legislators and senators' minds to find out what influenced them um, did they feel like, do, do they think they were being used? Do they think they were making the right choice? Uh, I'm not necessarily equating veggie burgers and the investing in Israel, but it, it, it's interesting where the suggestions for some of these laws come from and the how they get moved forward. It, sometimes it seems like our legislature can't come to agreement on main 
important topics, but then sometimes these other ones they do come to agreement on, and that that's just fascinating to me. Well, especially you know I, what I would love for them to focus on in this next session is the infrastructure, uh, roads, bridges, uh, healthcare. Uh, we've got rural hospitals closing. Uh, those issues are not really being addressed in, in any kind of way. And, and while it's nice to, to have uh, an investment policy that says we're taking certain stands, that's, that's all well and good, the role of government really should be education, uh, infrastructure. Those are the things that we should be working on, uh, more importantly than um, whether you know, a, a plant-based product can be called a, a dog or a burger. We have a couple more that we're going to get to before the end of the hour. Um, One that uh, MPB was on the ball about. July 1st, Mississippians were able to contribute to an ABLE account. It was the Achieve a Better Life Existence Act. And now uh, Mississippians can put earned income into a tax-free account if it's spent on qualified disability-related expenses. Uh, Attorney Richard Courtney, uh, who has been a frequent guest on this show, was a guest on Money Talks on June 2nd, where he talked about these ABLE accounts, which helps individuals who have family members with disabilities. Right, and that's that's similar to a five two nine account, a, an educational savings account. It's an account that allows uh, families to put money aside uh, to help uh, provide for special needs. And uh, the able accounts have been in other states for a while. Florida was one of the first ones, but it's great that Mississippi is there too. I do want to put a plug in for an upcoming show uh, because we're going. To, we didn't talk about the premises liability law that was affected uh, July first, the new premises law liability law. But Farish Percy of our faculty and Jesse Mitchell, a lawyer in Jackson, uh, will be on on the 27th talking specifically about premises liability law and and protections uh, for property owners uh, when someone is injured on their property. All right. And in our last three minutes, here's the hotly uh, contested law that has been blocked. Senate Bill 2116 would ban most abortions once a fetal heartbeat can be detected, which is about six weeks before some women might know they are pregnant. Now, a federal judge has temporarily blocked the law from taking effect. It was to take effect July 1st, although the state is appealing that decision. Professor Gershon, take us through the legal requirements. So the Mississippi State Legislature passed this law. Then when did a federal judge step in and how did they have that authority? Well, judges, the courts are actually the ones who look and see if legislation is constitutional. And so if the legislature passes a law, then if that law is challenged in the court system, a judge could say, hey, I'm going to put this on hold because I, I have questions about its constitutionality. What's really happening here, this is a process that states are doing to try to work through, to try to uh, overrule or change Roe versus Wade, quite frankly. The state knew there would be a challenge, Any, and the other states who have passed these laws knew there would be a challenge. Ultimately, they expect this to go to the U.S. Supreme Court where um, they would like to litigate the matter again, and I think that's really what's happening here. So this, this is something that when the legislation was passed, it, they knew it was violative of Roe versus Wade. 
what I find is so fascinating is states, I know, for example, Louisiana says, we want to pass the same law as Mississippi, and when Mississippi's law takes effect, ours takes effect. That way, they can have the same law, but they don't have the court costs involved in the challenge. That's that's smart. Really. <laughs> yeah, it is. But this is the kind of activism that takes place uh, both on the conservative side and the and, and the uh, progressive side is to to bring uh, lawsuits to hope to get to the U.S. Supreme Court to, to ultimately uh, get an interpretation that's favorable. Uh, one example of that was Brown versus Board of Education. Uh, you know that uh, people challenged segregation laws, and eventually the U.S. Supreme Court held that separate but equal was not appropriate. And so this is the process that the legislature is taking to try to override uh, Roe versus Wade. Well, there are a number of things that we weren't laws that we weren't able to get to the expungements. That is a has a has a new expungement law. And as Professor Gershon said, we're going to come up with the uh, the property information when there's some things about uh, uh, misdemeanors and loopholes on drug conventions and pro, uh, parole violations, all sorts of laws. So it behooves you to know what's going on with our legislature to keep up with the new laws. Professor Gershon, it's been lovely just you and me sitting and chatting today. It was fun. Thank you. And we appreciate the team at MPB who helps us out. Jay White, Java Chapman, Michelle McAdoo, uh, all of us work together to bring you these local shows each day. I, I am Liz Gill. I've been the producer for the show for Richard, Professor Richard Gershon, who hosts from the University of Mississippi School of Law. We appreciate all of us who make a team effort for this. Up next is our Tuesday Southern Remedy show, Relatively Speaking, with Dr. Susan Buttress. But we hope you'll join us next Tuesday at 10 a.m. for In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. 